theyeshiva.net. years ago on this night Mitzoy Shabbos of Parshish Shmois Chavdala Tevis the 24th day of the Hebrew month of Tevis the Alter Rebbe Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi the man who revolutionized the landscape of Jewish thought synthesizing the rational, the legalistic, and the mystical streams of Torah into a unified, comprehensive program for life known as Hasidus Chabad returned his soul to its maker. A few months earlier, in July of 1812, precisely Yud Beis Tammuz Tovkuf Ayin Beis in the Hebrew calendar, the French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte invaded Russia. Thus triggered the ferocious and bloody war between France and Russia of 1812. The Alter Rebbe, who was a great opponent of Napoleon, did not want to be under his dominion and rule even for a single day. And he immediately decided to escape Liadi where he lived, which is at the border of Belarus, which was close to the border where Napoleon invaded. And a few weeks before Rosh Hashanah of 1812, the Alter Rebbe and his family escaped and fled, and for many months they wandered. Fascinating story in and of itself, because their wanderings, their fleeing, their running paralleled, paralleled the path of the war. And uh, the Alter Rebbe escaped from Belarus into Russia, and ultimately, after months, ended up in a little town in the Kursk area known as Piena, a little town called Piena. On, the, on Tuesday, the 19th of Tevis, Yutas Tevis, the Alter Rebbe fell ill. And a few days later, Mitzay Shabbos, Parsha Shmois, Chavdala Tevis, he passed away. His grandson, the Rebbe de Tzamach Tzedek, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, who was present, during his passing, writes that it occurred which means approximately 10.30 p.m. Not exactly 10.30, but a little before 10.30. Around 10.25 p.m. Which, according to our calculations today, it was around four hours after Shabbos ended. His children describe in the introduction to Shulchan Aruch how that night the Rebbe David Meirev made Havdola. 
B'dveikas neflo b'deyetzlula with tremendous ecstasy and oneness with God and with a very lucid and clear mind. Following which he returned his soul to its maker and was interred the next day or the following day in the Jewish cemetery in the Ukrainian city of Hadich where many still go every year especially Chavdala Tevis the Yartzet of the Altar Rebbe to pray at the holy resting place of Rabbi Shnei Zalman of Liadi. Exactly 50 years ago, at the 150th anniversary of the passing of the Alter Rebbe, Chavdal Tevis Tavshin Chav Gimel, 1962. The is the calendar then was like this year, like the original year of the Alter Rebbe's passing, where Chavdal Tevis is Mitzvah Shabbos. Shabbos is the 23rd of Tevis, and Sunday is the 24th of Tevis. Alter Rebbe passed away on Mitzvah Shabbos after a few hours after Shabbos ended. At 10:25 p.m., 50 years ago, at 10:25 p.m., the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe, suddenly appeared downstairs in the main shul of 770 Eastern Park, where the Chabad headquarters and sat down for a Fabrengen for a gathering. This was very unusual. The Rebbe would usually come into a Fabrengen 8.30 p.m. or in later years 9.30 p.m. but 10.25 p.m. this was unusual. But then there were those few who understood that this was the exact time when the Alter Rebbe returned his neshama, his soul to Hashem. I wasn't born yet at the time, but I heard from a few people who were present. The Rebbe's face was unbelievably serious. And sat down, and this is how he opened the Fabrengen. He said, in the name of his father-in-law, in the name of his father, the Rebbe Rashab, on the yard site of a tzaddik, the tzaddik is ma'ayri rachamim, the tzaddik arouses divine compassion, on all of the Hasidim, their wives and their children. However, when Hasidim come together on the day of the Yartzeit to study the teachings, to study the Torah of the person whose Yartzeit it is, together with unity and of a bringing in a gathering, so this generates a greater flow of blessing and compassion where the Tzaddik, the Bala Ilula, generates and arouses even greater compassion on each one of them. By coming together to study his Torah, the Rebbe said, this is our way of giving a pidyon, a pidyon nefesh, to the Alter Rebbe. How do we give him a pidyon? A kvittel? By coming, to, coming together on his yard side to study, and to connect, and to unite, and to inspire, and strengthen each other. This is the kvittel that we give him. And immediately the Rebbe instructed that they sing the song of Avinu Malkeinu, one of the Alter Rebbe's legendary songs which he composed. And the crowd sung it with incredible emotion. Right after Avinu Malkeinu, the Rebbe instructed that they sing the Alter Rebbe's Nigan, the famous melody of four stanzas, the great melody of the Alter Rebbe in which he encapsulated and placed his great ideas of Hasidus Chabad known as the Alter Rebbe's Nigan, usually it's sung with a preparation, a melody before it. 
But then the Rebbe said right away to sing the Alter Rebbe's Nigin, and this song was sung as well with, with extraordinary uh, uh, ecstasy and emotion. And right after the Nigin of the Alter Rebbe, the Rebbe began a mimer. He began saying a discourse. But it wasn't just any discourse. It was one of those brief, fiery, passionate discourses that Alter Rebbe said in the earlier years. Later he said more elaborate, developed Maimarim discourses. But in the earlier years they were called Maimarim Ktsarim. And the Rebbe reviewed one of those Maimarim. Quoting the, the statement of the Talmud, "Ein Maistrin Razi Torah El Misha Doyig Bekir El El Misha Libay Doyig Bekir Bay." Our sages tell us in Masech Chagiga that we don't give over secrets of Torah only some, but somebody whose heart is is sick, sick with love. It was a very brief mimer, but the Rebbe's voice was from a different world, completely from a different world. Even today, you hear the recording, you can sense it. And then there were another few talks, another few sikhs. During that Fabreng in Metzai Shabbos, 50 years ago, on the 150th anniversary since Dr. Rebbe's passing. This is what inspired us to dedicate tonight and tomorrow, the 24th of Tevis, Dr. Rebbe's 200th yard site, to spend a day, a full day with Dr. Rebbe, learning his teachings, delving into his Torah, internalizing his thoughts and applying them to our lives. So we're going to begin with learning, with reviewing a mimer, a discourse of the Alter Rebbe. Following that, the next year is going to be given by Rabbi tonight, by Rabbi Reuven Wolf from Los Angeles, who's going to discuss the Alter Rebbe's contribution to the concept of divine providence. The Alter Rebbe's view on how to deal with people who hurt you. Who are you to blame? Following that, we will show a lecture I gave just a few weeks ago. At, to Jewish students at Yale University about the teachings of the Alter Rebbe of Hasidus Chabad and then tomorrow throughout the entire day here at the yeshiva.net there will be lectures and classes and live webcasts in the Alter Rebbe's teachings tomorrow morning we'll begin with learning Mishnayis I'll be giving a class in Mishnayis Brachis chapter 7 Zion, which begins with the letter Shin Shneir that will be followed by a lecture by Rabbi Ben-Sian Krasniansky from the Upper East Side of Manhattan who will discuss four revolutionary ideas of the Tanya among many, but four revolutionary ideas of the Tanya which will be followed by a lecture, by a class by Rabbi Yossi Paltiel about one of the great contributions of the Alter Rebbe to Kabbalah and Jewish philosophy analyzing the Alter Rebbe's novel idea about air, about divine light, divine energy and its ramifications in the life of the Jew following that we turn to Miami for a live webcast with the Klerman Masifta, the high school in the yeshiva of Lubavitch in Miami Beach Rabbi Ailey Smith, a teacher there and a dayan in the Besden of South Miami will be 
delivering a PowerPoint presentation about the development of halacha throughout the ages till the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch. I will be sharing with the students there a few stories about the Alter Rebbe. And Rabbi Label Shapiro will teach the Alter Rebbe's Shulchan Aruch and show the novel approach of the Alter Rebbe in halacha, following which we will learn an idea of hashkafa and chassidus in the, from the Alter Rebbe's teachings. And then we have three classes, in-depth classes on the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch. Rabbi Levi Garelik will discuss the Alter Rebbe's contribution to the concept of Shabbos and Shabbos Agadu. Rabbi Levi Weinberg will discuss the Alter Rebbe's novel idea in Amir al-Nachri. When you have a Gentile working for you on Shabbos, dealing with the question of Shabbos is objective or subjective. And finally, Rabbi Yisrael Rubin from Albany, from Albany, New York, will be dealing with the Alter Rebbe's view on Birches HaTorah, the blessing we recite every morning before we study Torah, and his opinion that when we think Torah, you don't have to make a blessing for that. This will be tomorrow evening, and that will end uh, the part of the program. That will end the program here on the yeshiva.net. I welcome all of you who are here globally from around the world. I hope you tune in tonight, you tune in tomorrow at, for all of it, or for some of it, or for part of it, to study the Torah, the extraordinary Torah, the life-transforming Torah of the Baal HaYilula, of the Alter Rebbe. We will begin tonight's program of learning and inspiration with reviewing a mimer, a discourse that was said by the Alter Rebbe, and it's published in his work, Torah on Parshas Bereshis. As is customary when we review a Hasidic discourse, like by a Bar Mitzvah and other occasions, that a song precedes it in order to get us into the mental state and the proper consciousness to listen and absorb and internalize the messages, the truths conveyed in this discourse of Hasidus.
Loi toi veyoi sa adam lavadoi eseloi ezer kenegdoi. The Torah says in the parish, the beginning of Parshas Beresh, is the beginning of the Torah, after Hashem created Adam. Hashem said, It's not good for man to be alone. Let me create for him a helper against him. Which the obvious question here is there is a blatant contradiction. If the woman is a helpmate for the man, so she's not against him. And if she's against him, then she's not a helper. Why does the Torah say, why does Hashem say, that it's not good for man to be alone, and therefore he went and he created the whole surgery, which ultimately created Chava, Adam's wife. And Hashem says, I want to make a help against him. Either she's a helpmate or she's against him. Explanation is the Pasuk says in Tehillim, Kishemesh umogin Hashem Elikim. Kishemesh umogin Havayelikim literally means that God the Lord is both a sun and a shield. He is the sun, He is the source of light, and He's also our protection, our shield. However, if we read the verse carefully, David HaMelech employs here two names of God. The name of Yudke Vovke and the name of Elikim. And he says, Kishemesh Umogin. Havaya Elikim. That the name of Hashem and the name of Elikim are a sun and a shield. And the explanation is that it's actually referring to two separate things. There is the sun and then there is the shield. And these are the two names, Havaya and Elikim. Yudke Vovke is the sun and Elikim is the shield. Meaning of this is the name of Hashem Yudke Vofke represents his power to create. Because the word Yud Vav He comes from the word Hoiva or Yahava. He creates, he brings into being. So the name Havaya represents a reflection of divine energy and an expression of divine energy which becomes a source for the creation of the worlds. However, if this divine light would have been expressed in a conspicuous way when it created all of the worlds and it created all of existence, then there would never be created beings in the way that they are now, because the way that we are now, that we have an independent ego, and we feel ourselves as independent creatures divorced from Hashem, if the divine energy creating the worlds would have been revealed and expressed, there is no possibility that any creature would feel egotistical and self-contained and not part of Hashem because all of us would have been in a state of bitul b'metzius, which means we would have experienced ourselves only as a continuum of Hashem's reality because the truth is that kula kamei keloi chashivi how does Hashem look at the world from his perspective? From his perspective, the world is not a separate, independent thing. The whole world doesn't have value in his presence. The whole world is, is, is it's his energy. It's part of his light. It doesn't have a separate, a separate identity. The world is simply a, a little glimmer of his power, a little result of his, of his creative energy. So if the light that creates the worlds would have been revealed and conspicuous, 
So then we would have experienced ourselves the way Hashem experiences us. The way God experiences the world. We would have never felt ourselves as a yesh, as a separate identity. And because of that, Hashem creates a shield, a nartik, a seat, to cover up the sun, just like the sun has a seat and a shield that covers it up and it dilutes its intensity because its light is so its light and its warmth is so intense. So Hashem made a shield on the sun of Shem Havaya, of the name of Yudke Vovke, which is the creative power. He put a shield on it, and this is the name of Elikim. The name of Elikim represents God's power to conceal and eclipse the intense light and radiance of the divine so that it gives room for the emergence of a world that is self-contained and self-oriented, of a world that has an ego and of people and of creatures that feel themselves as an identity completely separate from God. And that's the name of Elikim, which the word Elikim means a ruler. Elikim is a ruler, Shrara, because Ein Melech Beloya. You cannot be a king without a nation, without a people. So because Hashem wanted to be a king, He wanted to be a ruler. He wanted to have a relationship with people who are outside of Him. He wanted a relationship with otherness. Therefore, He employs the concept of tzimtzum, the ability to eclipse His creative energy. And this is what the name Alekim represents, which allows for the consciousness of otherness, that we feel ourselves as separate entities divorced from God. Not only that, we may not even feel His existence. And this level, this reality, is also called Shechina, which Shechina comes from the word Veshachanti B'Soycham, I will dwell among them, because it's through this characteristic that Hashem can enclose Himself within created beings. But if there would be no restrictions and no concealments and no shield that would be blocking the light, if the light of the creative energy of the divine would be revealed the way it is in its essence, without any concealment, there would be no way that the created creatures would be able to contain it and absorb it. As created beings, their entire existence would be redefined as they would melt away. In oneness with God, they would forfeit any sense of separateness and ego. In order for there to be Shechina, that He dwells within us and gives us power. While we retain our structure and our psyche and our identity, it's only because the name Elikim, which blocks the name Havaya, so it's like the sun, which goes into the seat, and the seat blocks and dilutes and the intensity of the warmth of the sun, and therefore we could contain the light. In our sages, in the works of our sages, we have the concept called Golus HaShchina, the exile of the Shechina, which according to the above definition of what Shechina is, we'll be able to understand it. Gemara says at the end of Megillah, The Jews were exiled to Edom, the Shechina comes with them, when they exiled to Babylonia, the Shechina comes with them. Wherever the Jewish people went into exile, the Shechina comes into them, comes with them. Deeper concept here is not just a literal meaning that God accompanies the Jews in exile, but there's also a deeper spiritual meaning. And that is the whole objective of why Hashem communicated His infinite divine energy in the shield of Shem which restricts the energy and conceals it and eclipses it. 
so that we should be able to be created as separate entities that have our own ego. We should feel ourselves as independent creatures. The reason is that Hashem caused us to become a yesh, to become egotistical, because He wanted that we should create bitul hayesh, that we should take our egos and surrender it to the ayin, to the source, to the true source of everything, to the divine. In other words, God suspends himself in order to create us and allow room for our existence so that we should suspend our existence and create room for his existence. So Hashem concealed his light and he allowed a yesh to emerge so that the yesh now takes its identity and realigns itself with its true source and with the true essence which is godliness. And that's the whole reason why he restricted his energy, because he wanted that we should create the bitl hayesh, the nullification of the yesh. Like the Pasik says, The legions of heaven prostrate themselves to you. Referring to the angels. All of the heavenly angels like Michal and Gavriel. Even though they also have some sense of self, because they're created angels. But nonetheless, they prostrate themselves to you. Because they recognize that you are their source. So the objective is that also humans, also beings on earth, who feel themselves completely as egotistical, should now take the yesh and realign it with the ayin, with the, with the source of the yesh, with the divine source. And this is the pleasure. This is the nachas roch. This is what gives Hashem pleasure. That there should be a yesh. There should be a person and there should be a world that perceives itself as self-contained. And this yes should now surrender itself. It should challenge itself. It should dedicate itself and it should realign itself with its source. And this is exactly, this is precisely what God desired with the whole drama of the creation of the world. And for this objective, He allowed His godly energy to descend and travel through many layers of concealments and many layers of Hester of um, cover-ups to the point that the yesh, the ego of the world should emerge as the Pasuk says in Yeshaya Koyl HaNikr B'Shmi Everything that is called by my name and for my honor I created and I formed it and I made it that there should be the Bittal HaYesh that we should come to recognize our source what is the concept of Golos HaShchinah, of the exile of the Shchinah? When we said that the ray of godliness that gets eclipsed is called Shchinah. So when the Shchinah comes down and is enclosed in the 70 spiritual ministers that govern the 70 nations to give them life, and they become completely egotistical and independent to the point of saying, let's pare, said, the river is mine and I created myself. And as the Gemara says at the end of the Menachas, Many nations say that God is the God of gods. He's God, but he's the God over gods. So this is the concept of Golos HaShchinah. This is where the Shechina goes into exile. Why? Because the Shechina descended into our world to create us. But its objective is not fulfilled. Instead of creating us. So that we should then challenge ourselves and go back to our source. What happens is we actually retain the status quo so no bittal is achieved from this descent and this is the exact antithesis of the whole objective of creation and this is what's called Golos HaShchina that the Shchina is an exile meaning 
The ray of godliness came down. The source of all the worlds lowered itself, that it shouldn't be revealed. And it came down into the lowest levels, known as klipos, and chitzayinim, the shells and the external levels. And the whole reason was why? So that we should transform our realities. And when that doesn't happen, this energy is truly in exile. It's completely in exile, it's completely eclipsed, and it remains subjugated in a place that's absolutely antithetical to what it is and what it wants. Now the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, that enters into the world in a very eclipsed fashion, is also called Mare. As the Pasuk says about Moshe Rabbeinu ben Mare Elav Esvada, I appear to him in a Mare which the word Mara actually means a mirror. And the reason it's associated with the word Mara and mirror is because when we take a look at a physical mirror, what's the function of a physical mirror? If you're looking straight in open air, you just see what's ahead of you. Even if you look through a window, so there's glass, but glass is transparent, so it allows you to see through it. It's see-through, or any material that's see-through. The concept of a mirror is that there's a piece of glass but the glass is not transparent because you cover the glass with a layer of silver and that layer of silver eclipses the glass and therefore it stops your vision and it does not allow your vision to extend beyond the glass. But what happens is because your vision is stopped, it's obstructed by the layer of silver that obstructs the glass. So what happens is the light of the vision bounces back, what's called Urchhoizer, the light that returns. There's two types of energy. There's Ur Yashar, direct energy, and Ur Chayzer, the light that bounces off and comes back. For example, when somebody throws a ball, so there's the momentum of the ball as a result of the energy that he invested in the throw. But then there's when the ball hits the wall, and the ball balances back with a different type of intensity. That's the concept of Ur Chayzer. So when you have a mirror, that is, the glass is not see-through because it's covered with silver, so a person is looking at it. So what happens is the light, the vision, is obstructed by the silver, so it bounces back and it allows him to see himself and that which is behind him, which is what a mirror does. If there would be glass, you would see straight, you would see what is ahead of you, but you can't see yourself and certainly you can't see what's behind you and above you because the glass is covered by silver, so that creates an archeizer. a light that balances back, that your vision now goes back and you could see yourself, and you could see that which is behind you, which you could have never done without. However, the condition is that the glass has to be covered with a thin layer, a thin layer of silver, which is thin, and it allows you then to see, not what's ahead of you, but to see what's behind you, what's above you, what precedes you, what's before you, not what's lower and ahead of you. However, if you take the glass and you eclipse it, with a very dense or thick covering, like a wall or cement or concrete, etc., then you see nothing. You certainly don't see what's ahead of you and you don't see what's behind it. This is all a metaphor for the whole spiritual dynamic of existence. And that is that the name Havaya is like a sun. And it radiates tremendous light and it comes down with its full intensity of divine energy to create the world. That's what creates the world. Then you have the name of Elikim, which represents Hashem's Malchus, Hashem's quality of rulership, of being a king, which requires there to be a nation that's separate from Him. And therefore, Shem Elikim obstructs 
the flow of Shema Vayim. It creates a symptom, it creates restrictions, it creates concealments. And in those concealments, the divine energy of Avaya becomes concealed. So that it doesn't extend any further. It doesn't get revealed, it's blocked. The light is blocked. And this blockage happens, so to speak, in the entry to the worlds. Every world is a different blockage. Until it hits this world, it is a much thicker blockage. And the light comes and it's blocked and it doesn't go through. And therefore we don't feel the light because there's a blockage. It's not like a window of glass which allows the light to come through. But there's a blockage that blocks the light of Hashem. And therefore the world does not experience His presence. And the world does not experience His infinity. And therefore we don't feel ourselves as He sees us. We don't view ourselves from His perspective. We view ourselves from our perspective. And this is like the concept of the blockage of the mirror, which doesn't allow the light to extend. However, the value of this is just like by a mirror. The light doesn't extend this way. But because the light of your eyes and your vision balances back, it creates an a light that returns, which allows you to see yourself, and allows you to see even that which is behind you. So this is also what happens in the story of existence. That the ray of Shema Vaya comes down and Elikim blocks it like the mirror. But this creates this tension and this collision between the light of the divine and the blockage. Creates an Urchhaizer. It creates a new momentum, a new energy. Because the light that bounces back is far more intense and far stronger than the light that travels directly to its destination. Because the light that bounces back and it carries the momentum from the opposition, so the opposition, the blockage, creates a momentum, and creates an intensity, and it becomes a catalyst and a springboard, for a lot, for a greater light, and for a deeper light, and for more intense light, and that's why physically, as a result of the mirror, you can see yourself, the way you never saw yourself before, and you can see that which is above you, that which is behind you, which spiritually, psychologically represents, that which is deeper than you and above you. And that's what the Apostle says, Eishas And that the woman of valor becomes the crown of her husband. The light of the sun will be like the, the light of the moon will be like the light of the sun. Just like this mirror. As a result of the blockage. Which blocks the extension of light. So there's a, a new light that returns and allows you to see behind you a very far distance. The same is true spiritually. When shame avaya hits shame litim and gets blocked, it creates a new light that allows you to go to much deeper places and allows you to have even greater vision. Because as a result of the concealment of shame havaya, a new momentum and a new energy is unleashed and it allows a person to experience the reality of truth even in a deeper way than without the block. This is the deeper meaning of what the Gemara says in Ksuvus. Vafsamachal. On the Pasig, Vihi, Bu'ulas, Baal, Baliyos, Sonshal, Baal, Oilay, Maivane, Yeradisimai. And the Gemara says that when the, 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 the Bu'ulas, Baal, that she, the woman, goes up together with the husband, but she doesn't go down together with the husband. Meaning, if his standards are higher than hers as far as living expenses and living conditions. He can say to her, these are not your standards and therefore I'm not going to support you on this level. No. 
he has to support her according to his standards, but it doesn't work the other way, meaning if his standards are degraded for whatever reason, but her standards are higher, he cannot demand from her to go down with him. She goes up with him, she never goes down with him. She always goes up. She cannot go down with him. If he's up, she goes up with him, and if he's down, if she, it's not her level, she's on a higher level, she stays up. Which this is legally, halachically, and the, the, in, the, in the fashion of how a marriage takes place according to Jewish law. Spiritually it means that we have the two forces. The man and the woman represents Havai and Elikim. So we say that she goes up with him and she doesn't go down with him. Havai goes down. Havai goes down. But uh, Elikim doesn't go down with him because if she would go down with him that would be already Golus Hashrim. His job, Havai, is to go down. The job of Elikim is now to go up, in other words, to create the blockage, which creates the frustration, which allows now the light to go back up, to bounce back up Urchhoizen. In a person's life, the fact that we have concealments and obstacles and challenges, and there's no clarity and there's no transparency of the divine light, because the divine light is blocked by the human body and by the crudeness of the human body, which this is all as a result of Shem Alekim, we don't go down with it. On the contrary, for us, this is supposed to create the tension and the collision that becomes a catalyst and a springboard for a much deeper awareness and a much deeper clarity and a much deeper vision. This is the meaning of the Pasuk and Shir Hashir. That the groom talks about the beautiful bride and says, my dove is in the clefts of the rock, in the hidden steps. My dove is hiding, and the groom pleads and says, Show me your countenance, let me hear your voice, because your voice is sweet and your countenance is beautiful, but the word that's used is, Show me your mirror, that's the word that's used. Because we're talking about the fact, that an neshama comes into a body, and the body completely eclipses the presence of the soul. That the person does not feel his inner purity, and his inner holiness, and his inner godliness, and his inner majesty, and his inner nobility. The physical crude body completely eclipses, and overwhelms, and consumes, and traps, and imprisons the soul. And it gets blocked. So on this, Hashem tells the soul, Show me the mirror. The whole reason that there's a blockage is you read the Tzarech The blockage is simply that the soul and the inner energy of the person should go up. That from the collision, from the fact that it hits and it confronts an opposition, it should go back to be re-included in divine light in yet a deeper and a higher fashion. This is the meaning of what the Apostle says in Bereshis. That Hashem Eloikim, using both names, made for Adam and his wife, leather shirts, leather clothes, and he dressed them. In other words, he created a dress, a garment that eclipses, because that's what a garment does. A garment eclipses a person's body. So Hashem makes for Adam and his wife Kosnas We all have garments that eclipse our inner energy, but the point is that as a result of the striking against the garment that eclipses us, we have the Ur the light that balances back and goes up 
from the fact that it hit the bottom. And now it goes back up, and this creates a whole new light and a whole new energy. And this is the deeper meaning of loy toive yoisa adam levad. Hashem says, it's not good for a man to be alone. Let me make a help against him. The spiritual meaning of this is, Yoisa adam levadai is ha'adam. Who's ha'adam? Ha'adam is adam ha'alyan, the supernal man. As the Pasuk says in Yecheskel, there's adam ha'alyan sha'al ha'kiseh. There's the Kisya covered the throne, and on top of the throne there's Adam Elyon, the higher man, the divine persona, which is of course the source of man down here below. This is called Adam Elyon, Allah Kisya, the Muskamari Adam. Naturally, this Adam is Levadai, this Adam is alone. Einoid Muvadai, there's nothing but Hashem. This Adam is Levada. He's alone and there's nothing else because there's no reality outside of Hashem. The only existence and the only true reality is God. And outside of Him there's nothing else. And this is the way it should have been that the divine presence and energy should be revealed and expressed and it's obvious that there's nothing outside of Him. And even if He creates a world, it's obvious that the whole world is completely one with Him, and part of Him, and just a reflection of Him, and a continuation of Him, just like it is from His perspective. What we call Yehudilah, the higher level of unity. When you look at the cosmos from the divine perspective, you don't see a separate being and a separate ego. You see it from a divine perspective. And divinity is everywhere, and it includes everything, and everything is part of His reality, and submerged in His reality, and there's nothing outside of it. There's nothing that occupies its own space. So naturally, it should have been, Heyoisa Adam Levadei. Ha Adam, the Adam, Adam Ha'elyon, should have been alone, Enoid Levadei, and the whole world completely one and nullified within Him as part of His reality. This comes Hashem and says, Although this is the natural state. It's not good for Adam Elyon to be Levadoi. I'm going to help myself. I'm going to help the Adam. How can I By creating an opposition. Because sometimes the greatest help you can give the Adam is by creating a force that opposes him. The fact that there is a force that opposes him and challenges him, this becomes the greatest help for him. And this is what he says, that the greatest help for Havaya, for Adam, is from Kenegdeh, from the opposition, the fact that there's a tzimtzum, there's a restriction. And there are many layers of concealment that completely cover up and eclipse and conceal the divine energy and do not allow the pure revelation of divine energy, which this is what allows for the creation of the body. And this is what allows for the creation of the animal soul, who are in a state of yesh, of egotism, and completely separate because the body feels itself as a material, narcissistic, self-contained being. The animal consciousness that exists within every single one of us is like a beast. It's focused completely on self-preservation and self-gratification, and all of its life is about self fulfillment and it's a self-oriented creature it's a self-contained creature and that's how we feel ourselves we feel ourselves in our animal consciousness as completely focused on self-preservation this comes only because the divine energy that's infusing life into the body and into the animal soul is concealed on this Hashem says from this opposition from this concealment that opposes the divine light, from this will be the greatest help. Why? Because by this confrontation, and from this collision, and from this obstacle, we create the mirror, the mara, the 
the new light that is created from the tension that comes between heaven and earth, and from the tension that comes between soul and body, and from the tension between the spiritual and the physical, and from the tension between the transcendental and the earthly, and the tension that comes between man's inner idealism and man's inner selfishness, and that tension when it's exploited right, creates the greatest spiritual connection and the greatest spiritual force and the greatest ecstasy because the light that comes, the the light that returns from balancing off is a much greater light than the light that would just be revealed directly without any opposition. That's the meaning of the passage. Sarah says, Tzchayik Asali Alekim, she named her son Yitzchak. Because Elikim made us laugh, the, the emphasis on the word is Elikim, that the main laughter, the main joy comes from the name Elikim, because the greatest pleasure and joy and laughter comes from the concealment. When you don't surrender to the concealment, when you don't take the concealment seriously, when you don't become a victim of the concealment, but you see the concealment simply as a springboard, as a catalyst to generate the greatest growth of human potential and spiritual potential, so then makes me laugh like nothing else Havaya could not generate that joy that pleasure, that laughter is the one that generates that laughter when doesn't cause but when we exploit the obstacle to become a springboard for growth this becomes the greatest and that's why we say that Mu'asid Lavi in the future this will be the greatest pleasure Yismach Hashem B'masav the joy of Hashem comes from, from the name of Likim, because this allows for a revelation that's even beyond Shem Havaya. This is the Erech as the Pasuk says in the Shira, Ad Yavr Amcha Havaya, till your nation passes. It literally means Ad Yavr Amcha Hashem, till your nation of God passes. The spiritual meaning is Ad Yavr Amcha Hashem, we will Yavr, we will pass above the name Havaya through the name of Likim. And this is the concept of the Pasuk says in Yemri about a desert, a place where man has not dwelled, which spiritually means there's a place that's beyond Adam. Adam is Adam Ha'elyon Ha'yoyisa, Adam Levada Shem Havaya. And there's a place that man does not dwell there, and that's the revelation that happens precisely through Shem Likim. Through the woman who opposes the husband. And she becomes the crown of her husband. She brings out the best in her husband. She brings out the best in him and allows him to reach a level that he could not reach on his own. Like it is spiritually that through Elikim, Havaya reaches a much deeper place. In other words, there's a much deeper revelation of godliness than there would have been if there would be no concealment and God would just allow himself to reveal himself without a concealment. And that's why when Adam and Chava are created, they're created... They're created in a way of Ezer Kenegdai, that there is an opposition, and that opposition creates the deepest help. After the sin of Adam and Chava, the Pasuk says, Kosnus that Hashem made for them Kosnus He made for them tunics of leather, and the, 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 the spelling is Ur with an ayin. Leather, Ur, fur, the hide of an animal, which is called Ur with an ayin. Because this is the difference between before the sin and after the sin. Before the sin, there was also a concealment. Because they were created beings, and every created being is a product of concealment. But then, the concealment was very thin. It's like when the glass has a layer that covers it, but it's a very, very thin layer. It's a 
It says, He was in the Garden of Eden, so the layer was very thin, the concealment was very thin. But after they sinned from the Eitzadas, now the Kinegdoi became much more intense and much more ferocious and much more serious. There became a much bigger blockage. This is the concept called Klipas Neiga, that there's a shell, there's a husk that blocks the divine energy and this is called Kosnas Oyer. Tunics of Oyer, tunics of leather of the hide of the skin. The connection to Oyer is because the main source from which all of the external forces in this world, all the clippers in this world, in other words, all the realities that don't recognize holiness and godliness, so they always receive their nurture through the earth, through the skin, because they receive their nurture through here, and the main place from where the hair grows is on the skin. Like for the Mishnah, it says by Paraduma. The skin has its little holes from which the, the here grows like it says by Parada that if there were two hairs in one source, in one in one hole, it disqualifies the red heifer. And in the Masechta Chulin and Perik we talk about Nekev Sheinad Yoyover Olav, a hole on which the, the ink does not pass, and therefore the Kosnus Oy represents a, a strong concealment, a strong blockage from where the grows here, from where the clippers receive their nurture, their energy, because the light is blocked very strongly, and this happens after Adam and Chava eat from the tree of knowledge. And that's why all of Hashem's service is called Avaidas Hashem, serving Hashem. What does the word Avaida mean? The word Avaida means work, service, but particularly it comes from the word Ibud Oiris, which is a very difficult labor of tanning. When you take the skin of an animal, the fur of an animal, and you want to make it into leather, it's an excruciating work of taking the skin of the animal and turning it into leather that can be used. This is called ibud oiris, working out the leather. And this is what the function of a person is to be an oivad alikim. What does it mean, an oivad alikim? Why do we call it oivad alikim? You have to work with alikim to fix the concealment of alikim. To fix the concealment of the oyer, which comes from Shem Elikim, because Elikim represents God's ability to block and conceal his energy. And that allows for there to be the skin that covers up Adam and Chava and covers up the energy. And it allows for here, which here has very little energy. Which is why when you cut here, there's no pain because there's no nerves in here. So it's not painful to cut here because there's no energy and there's no real life source. It's not like cutting, God forbid, a piece of skin or another limb. And this represents that the divine energy that comes through here is very restricted, it's very minute. And that's why there can be clippers, there can be shells, there can be husks, there can be chitzenah that don't feel the divine presence. Why don't they feel the divine presence because there's complete concealment to a level of here. What's an Ayved Alekim? You work with the hide. You work with the skin. You work with the concealment. You work with it. In other words, you realize that it's only a concealment that's there to be exploited in order to make you grow much more because really the only reality is divine energy and everything is holy and everything is part of divine energy. There's just a concealment and the whole reason of the concealment is show me your true colors, show me your true depth through the mirror. And this is what an Oyved Alekim is. You work with the height, which comes from Shem Alekim to transform darkness into light. And that's why it says, Vayas Hashem Alekim La'adam Ishtar. Suddenly both names are used, Hashem and Alekim, because the whole concept of Kosnas Oyer, of garments that eclipse 
the inner energy comes from the combination of Hashem and Elikim, and the two names also relate to the fact that it's Adam and Chava, man and his wife, Ezer Kenegdah, which these are the two names of Avaya and Elikim, and this explains what the Medrash says, and it's brought in Kabbalah, that Chanoich, the great Tzadik Chanoich, was Toifer Minolim, he used to make shoes. He was a person who sewed shoes, which apparently, this, what does this mean? But now we understand the concept. What does it mean he sewed shoes? He was a toifer menolim. What it means is that the shoe, which comes from leather, oh, represents the concealment. The oil oh, represents the concealment. And since Adam and Chava were dressed with Kosnasar, what does it mean, Kosnasar? That they were given this concealment, especially after the sin. So Chanoich, his job was Toifim and Nalamin. After the oil, after the leather is fixed and repaired through the Kosnasar of Adam and Chava, so Chanoich turned them into shoes. Which is what Chanoich was known as a tzaddik. In other words, Chanoich took it and he turned it into something that serves a productive purpose. He took the oid and he worked it out to the point that it became a shoe, which is the concept of an oividalikim. But even if Adam would have not sinned, and therefore there would have not been klipas noiga, he would have not worn kosnas or with an ayin. He would have had kosnas or with an aleph, as the Medrash says that in the Sefer Torah of Reb Meir, they found kosnas or with an aleph, tunics of light, not tunics of leather. So there wouldn't have been Klippas Naiga, still there would be an Ezer Kenegdoi, because Ezer Kenegdoi is before they sinned. But the Kenegdoi would have been much more subtle, much more refined. There would have been an opposition, but much more refined. What would have been the opposition? The fact that between every single world that Hashem creates, and the many series of spiritual worlds that He creates, there's something called a parsa. A parsa means a partition. Between one world and another world is a partition. Just like when you have light in one room that comes in from the sun. And then you have a curtain. So the light that goes through the curtain and comes to the other side of the curtain is already a very different quality of light because it went through the partition. Between each world is a parasite, there's a partition which dilutes and alters the state of divine energy so that the consciousness in the lower world is completely different than the consciousness in the higher world. In the higher world is much more awareness of the divine presence, but be- before it goes into the next world, it goes through a parsa. It goes through a spiritual partition, a spiritual curtain, which alters the divine energy so that the product of the next world is a different product. The consciousness is different, and therefore the creations of the next world are different. And this is the series of all the worlds in Kabbalah and Hasidus. Between each world world is a parsa partition that blocks the world and the same is true by a person just like a person also has that partition which is called the diaphragm the chatzar and the chatzar which separates the higher part of the person and the lower part of the person because the unique qualities that make us human our mind and our heart and our higher senses are always above the partition and the partition creates a paradigm shift, that that which is below the partition is not of the same essence and of the same caliber of the faculties that are above the diaphragm, this is because spiritually this is the way Hashem creates all the worlds, because everything in the biological structure of a person evolves from the spiritual system of the cosmos, because the human being is a microcosm which contains the whole world, so that which is in the world is also reflected in every person there's a diaphragm in each between each world, which I'll call 
causes the light of the lower world to be of a different essence and a different caliber and a different quality, which makes it a different world with a different level of sensitivity, which is more numb, which is more weak, which is more dark, lower and lower and lower until we hit the partition that blocks the energy into this physical world, our world, in which godliness is completely eclipsed and almost unnoticed. And the same is true even in holiness, for example, between the world of Atsilas, which is the highest world, and the world of Bria, which are both holy worlds, there's still a major partition. And therefore, even if Adam and Chava would have not sinned, there would have still been the opposition. Azer Kenegde, but what type of opposition? Not the thick opposition of Klippa, of Klippas Neuga, which is also which is also not the thickest opposition. But Klippas Naiga is still a translucent shell, but it's a husk. There would have been higher forms of concealment, more subtle forms of concealment, but still concealment. And Adam's job would be to elevate that which goes through the partition. The light gets blocked in the partition, and it creates a new world and elevated back to its source in the Archeiser. And this is what God's intention was when he created the world before Adam's sin. And he said, Ezek Kenegda. Once he sinned, now the connective becomes much stronger, and now the sublimation is much more challenging, but also much more rewarding, because now you have to deal with real klipas. Once they partook from the tree of knowledge in violation of God's will, which the tree of knowledge represents toivin ra, klipas noiga, where there's a husk that conceals godliness. So now there's a whole new blockage created in our system, and created in our world that we have to deal with, and this is the blockage called klipas. And that's why he expelled Adam from Ganadin after the Eitzadah. This wasn't just a punishment of revenge, not at all. Because now Adam's responsibility is he has to go out of paradise. And he has to deal with more serious levels of concealments and blockages in order to sublimate it. And in order to bring back the light back to its source and reach even a deeper place. He cannot do this in Ganadin. So Hashem says now it's time to leave Ganadin. And yet, even Klippas Noiga is still like a mirror. It's considered a very thin layer, which allows you to see. But sometimes you have a stone, it's not silver anymore, it's stone, now you can't see anything. And this represents not Klippas Noiga, which means a translucent shell, but a husk that's completely opaque, just like you have in different fruits. A fruit has a shell, but sometimes from the shell you could see that there's a fruit inside, and sometimes like by a walnut, there's such a thick shell that you don't even see the fruit inside. And the same is true in our world. There is a blockage that conceals divine energy, but it's called klipas naiga, which means it's a translucent shell. But then you have a shell that's so opaque it completely conceals godliness, you can't even extract the light. This is not a mirror anymore. This is when the window is covered up with concrete or cement, and you can't see anything. You can't see ahead of you, and you can't see behind you. This is a whole different experience. Klipas Neiga is a combination of Toiv and Ra, and this is what gives life to all permissible things. All food that is permissible, all animals that are permissible, all objects and actions that are permissible, receive their energy from Klipas Neiga. And that's why it's called Mutter, which Mutter in Hebrew means untied, and Usr means tied, because that which makes something forbidden or permissible, it's not just a state of law, permissible and forbidden. It's a spiritual concept. When something is permissible, it means that this object, even though the divine energy is concealed there, but it can be extracted. It can be revealed. It can be brought back to its source. The inner spirituality can be revealed. When something is forbidden and it's off limits, it's because the divine energy is completely tied 
It's also in the hands of the clippers and it can't be extracted and therefore you cannot bring out the good as an Eur as a light that returns from the clip and therefore it's off limits to the Jew and we say this act is forbidden and this act is permissible. According to all of this we'll understand why in the Sheva Brachas that we do for Chas, we say the blessings that we say for Chasanam and Kalas for grooms and brides. So we have the blessing Sameach to Samach Reim Ahuvim, and we finish off the blessing Baruch Atah Hashem Sameach Chasan VeKala. God brings joy to the Chasan and the Kala. But the last blessing, the Bracha, right now when we talk about the future, Meheir Yisham Abari Yehuda BeChutzis Yerushalayim Kol Chasan VeKosim Kol Chasan VeKol Kala, etc. We finish off the blessing Baruch Atah Hashem Sameach Chasan Im HaKala. God brings joy to the Groom with the bride. What's the difference? The first blessing you say, Hashem brings joy to the groom and the bride. The last blessing you say, with the bride. The reason is, the kala represents malchus. The bride represents chava. represents shem elikim. Which is the challenge for the masculine energy like Havai is challenged by Elikim, which blocks it. The same is in a marriage. The Chosen is representing Havai and Elikim is represented by the Kala, which is Malchus, which blocks the Havai. Initially, Initially, she absorbs and receives all the light from the chassan, which comes from the masculine world into the feminine world. It comes from the masculine world from the chassan into the kala. And that's why we say Hashem gives joy to chassan the kala, first the chassan and the kala, because the energy comes from the chassan and the chassan gives it to the kala. But then what happens is, He gives joy to the chassan with the kala. In other words, the main joy is the kala. And then the kala brings joy to the chasen. It's not and then the kala. It's Once the kala has simcha, now the chasen goes along on the ride. In other words, that through the kala, the chasen becomes joyous. This is the simcha that comes to the chasen because he's with the kala. Because since she is kenegdoi, so she creates a true help. And she brings out a whole new light in him that could not be experienced otherwise because there's a connector. It allows him to go to a much deeper place just as it is spiritually. That through Malchus, through Elikim. So The Simcha to the Chosen happens with and through the Kala because he's with the Kala. And that's why it says, The woman of valor becomes a crown for her husband. In other words, superior to her husband because it's as a result of this opposition, as a result of this collision, a result of this encounter and confrontation that when they both realize that the purpose here is not opposition, the purpose here is not concealment. The purpose here is for each one to reach their ultimate potential. That Shem Havaya will only be revealed in a much deeper way through Shem Elikim. And Shem Elikim is not here to conceal on the contrary, but rather to bring out the real unity and synchronization that exists in them. So through her, she brings a whole new level of joy to the Chassan, and therefore the woman of valor is a crown for her husband. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate. Yeah.
رایی 